listening to the IPGO Show. I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and joining me today is Mandy Pursley. She's the creator and imagination behind Be The Spark Cosplay. But she's probably best known as Cinderella, who traded her glass shoes for a glass arm. So I'm very excited to have her here. Please welcome Mandy to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here today. I'm excited to chat with you. Awesome. Sounds great. So let's get right into it. Please tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I'm Mandy. Um, we're a military family. So we actually just moved from California to North Carolina. So we're settling into our new house, getting my new sewing room unpacked, which I'm really excited about. Uh, so I've been sewing for about 10 years now. Um, kind of started out making Renaissance costumes and then moved more into cosplay. And that's really been my focus for the last few years. Sounds great. And I understand that you're an actress as well. Is that correct? Yeah, I've also done some acting. Um, I've done a movie and a couple TV shows. And then I also used to do a lot of acting with military training. They use actors as casualties um, so that they could train on kind of a real live screaming person. So I'm also a professional screamer. But <laughs> Never heard of that before. But yeah, <laughs> military acting. Okay, that's... Yeah. So let's just pull back that a little. So did they consult you for like movies where they have the like the movies based on the military? So or is this movie more like this is what happens on the field? This is how you treat somebody with an injury or of sorts. Yeah, so I actually haven't been consulted on movies. I've mostly done live training. So um, there's some companies who do what they call hyper-realistic military training scenarios. So it's actually the military um, members themselves, um, often like corpsmen or infantry, are practicing the skills that they've learned. So they usually create elaborate sets, and then the military members are coming on with no idea what's about to happen. And there's pyrotechnics, um, there's actors who have the, the gory makeup on, and they have to treat it like these people have real life injuries. So they run out and they, they treat the wounds that they can physically see, which for amputees, that's usually a missing limb. And uh, then they rescue us. They get us out of combat and treat our injuries and um, treat it like a real scenario. Right. Oh, that that's really good to hear. I I mean, I've n- I have no idea. I had no idea that 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 even happens. But uh, you mentioned being an amputee, and and people are probably wondering the glass arm bit. So let's just sort of explain to people. You are a congenital above elbow. I'm actually just below the elbow. I only have a, a tiny bit below the elbow, but that gives me a little bit of extra function, so that helps. Right. So let's get into this Cinderella outfit. You folks have to Google her on after this episode because it, you have to see it. And it's really quite something. So take us through that journey of coming up with the alternate Cinderella. Well, I'd actually been dreaming about creating a Cinderella dress for a while. Uh, one of the first cosplays that I had done was Belle from Beauty and the Beast. And I just found I really love making ball gowns that are elaborate and huge and poofy. And so Cinderella is kind of the ultimate ball gown. But I hadn't really thought beyond the dress. And then um, it's about a year and a half now, my daughter was studying Cinderella stories at school. And so we started reading all these um, fairy tales that were from all around the world. So you were getting the story from the perspective of different cultures and different kinds of people. And it was really interesting. I loved seeing how different people interpreted the story. 
And I started to think, though, that there were no princesses who had any kind of a disability or a physical difference. And so I started to think, you know, what would that look like? You know, what would it look like for a princess who looks like me to be in the story and be represented? And as I was thinking about that, I had this idea of Cinderella instead of glass slippers, maybe she has a glass arm. And I just love that idea so much as soon as it came to me that I knew I had to bring this into reality. So I started working on Cinderella's dress um, and that was really a labor of love. I have never made anything so elaborate in my entire life, um, but it was completely worth it. Uh, there was lots of hand sewing, lots of really expensive fabrics just to make it magical, really. Um, so after I made the dress, though, I still wasn't sure how I was going to get this glass arm made, which was the most important part, really. That's what made this whole costume special. And so I was kind of talking to some of my friends who were, uh, who I know are into cosplay as well and trying to figure out how this could even be done. And uh, one of my friends from church said, hey, I know this guy. Uh, he was one of my friends from high school. He's out in Arizona now, but he's an artist. He's amazing. He's like, you know, done stuff for theme parks. Maybe he'd be interested in helping you out. And so I thought, okay, well, that's cool. Like, I'll contact him, but that sounds really expensive. You know? <laughs> like, this is, this is fun, but I don't know if I can afford the guy that does these really amazing things. But I went ahead and I got in touch with Gilbert, uh, Gilbert Lozano, and he is just a fantastic person. Like, he's a wonderful human being. And honestly, he was so excited about this project himself that he just absolutely jumped on board and he wanted to tackle the glass arm. And so he created it from a mold of one of my older prosthetics. And he got some people, he got a company in the community on board that let him use their like industrial vacuum chamber to make sure that it was perfectly clear. There was no bubbles. It was this flawless glass arm. And um, it, it was just absolutely stunning what they came up with. And then my um, prosthetist from Hangar um, near us in Oceanside over in California. She helped to attach a socket to it so that we could make it look like a, you know, a functioning prosthetic. And yeah, and that kind of completed the whole costume. And the first time I put it all together, like, honestly, I was like pretty much about to cry because it was just so beautiful. And I, I genuinely felt like a princess to see all of this come together. Right. No, I bet I could just imagine putting it, the dress on and putting the hand on and it's just mm -hmm. like it's complete like this is the look yeah. that I'm going this is what I it's a, there's something that we realize that we're just imagining it and we're dreaming it then mm -hmm. you actually see it there and happening yeah. and you're like it's happened yeah you it's know? like a dream uh, come true but it's it is. right there in front of you it was, it's an amazing moment dreams do come true right do. <laughs> <laughs> um so were you always into cosplay before all of this so you said you created the cinder the the bell dress hmm. were you from growing up uh going to come uh, I'm a Comic-Con kind of guy, so I know that whole generation of people that when yeah. we started. So were you that always kind of a kid kind of growing up, or you just had interest in creating costumes? So when I was younger, well, I grew up um, most of my, when I was younger, was in Kentucky. So there wasn't a lot of comic conventions or anything at that time, especially in that area. But I always loved kind of nerdy, geeky things. I was always into fantasy and sci-fi and role-playing games and video games. 
So I drew a lot of costumes, um, a lot of times for different characters that I already knew, especially in video games. I'd like to recreate ideas. And I also did a lot of um, historical sketches. I was really interested in like the Elizabethan period and the Renaissance, you know, ball gowns. Once again, I loved ball gowns. So I had a lot of sketches, but I had never even attempted sewing anything. And uh, it's actually an interesting story. So my husband, uh, the very first Valentine's Day after we were married, we woke up in the morning and I'm all, you know, happy Valentine's Day and I have presents and chocolate. And he goes, it's Valentine's Day. <laughs> this is our first one together as a, as a married couple. And I'm oh, like, no. what? But he runs out to the store and he comes back with a sewing machine because he's like, I remembered you had all those sketches of costumes. And so I got you the sewing machine as an apology that I forgot Valentine's Day. <laughs> so, I, I thought you were going to say that's all he found in the store at the very last minute was a sewing machine. I don't so you went and got it for me. Yeah, but it was actually kind of thoughtful, I think, because he'd remembered that I had, like, you know, drawn all these costumes. So he's like, maybe she can make them and then she'll just be so happy. I don't know. I guess it's better than a vacuum of sorts. That's true. That's true. That's true. But it ended up being the perfect gift because I learned how to sew. And that's kind of where it all started. We went to a Renaissance fair that year. And I was like, I'm going to make my own costume because I loved historical outfits. So I made right. me and my husband's costume for that. Part of part of the apology was that he had to wear whatever I made him. <laughs> oh, okay. That works. That works. It worked. It worked out great. And then it just kind of kept going on from there. Uh, we went to our first Comic Con. I think it was seven years ago, out in San Diego, when we moved out there, and I just fell in love with cosplay at Comic Con. So that's really where my like true passion for cosplay started. Wow, that's that's awesome. So I want to go back to the hand again because something just kind of clicked in my head. So what is it solid or hollow? It's actually solid. So this is solid resin. It's actually pretty heavy. It's well, it's about two pounds, which you know is kind of heavy to be hanging off the end of your arm. But yeah, it's a solid, like perfectly clear resin. And then we have the socket up here, which I, I made a silver cover for. So but it's beautiful. Right, so it's like it, a work of art. It is. It it truly is looking like it's glass and it does look mm -hmm. heavy. Because yeah. I think I think if you're going to have it hollow, then the light refractions inside, well, I just use a science term, um, would not make it probably look like it's glass, but it it has a, it's close to like almost an ice sculpture really mm -hmm. looking at it. And you guys have yeah. to Google her picture seriously. That's a Google Mandy. It it always impresses me when I see it, and I'm and I'm I'm a huge Disney fan too. For all of you who knows me, so I'm like a ten year old boy at Disneyland right now talking to me, talking to Cinderella. So, yeah. <laughs> so this is all this is all exciting for me. Now, were you not an inspiration for a game because you mentioned the game? Yeah. So uh, BA Games reached out to me um, after all the Cinderella stuff had gone on and said that they were really inspired that um, all the things that I had done and the person who was uh, working on creating this game called Cult of the Deep, he said, you know, it was kind of like a project he'd had a dream of that had kind of been on the back burner and he was just really inspired 
you know, like I need to follow my dreams. I need to get this done. So he kind of revived the project that he was working on and he's got some great artists on board. And because he said I kind of in inspired him to start working on that again, he asked if uh, they could use my likeness in the game. So one of the characters that you could play as, um, the sorceress, uh, has my face which is just the coolest thing ever. And they also made her a really amazing prosthetic arm in the image as well. Um, it's kind of like, I don't know, it's her magic arm or something, but it's just like glowing and it looks powerful. And she's just a very cool character. I'm very excited about that. Wow. So is that game out now? It's not out quite yet. They're going to start a Kickstarter. I think in February it will be out. Um, but if you follow my page, Be the Spark Cosplay, or you can go check out their page, BA Games or Cult of the Deep. Um, you can keep up with that and see when that Kickstarter is going to get going. Wow, that's awesome. I would, if, if everybody, or I was going to say if everybody, if anybody's going to make a character out of me, I would like a Marquette of myself as a character, yeah. I think, right? <laughs> Be like, yeah, that's me. You know, right. that's, that's yeah. No, I'm super excited about it, and it's actually funny too because I also enjoy playing D and D. And um, the the creators of the game didn't even know this, but um, one of my favorite characters that I play when we play our D and D games, like, just fireballs everything. Like that's her only tactic is just blow everything up. And so when I played the game at Gen Con, when I played Cult of the Deep um, with their playtest, I saw that the sorceress character, like her power is that she blows things up. She just like sets like arcane explosions. And I'm like, fireball. I'm so excited. Wow. <laughs> it's perfect. like, it perfect. <laughs> no, absolutely. It's studied. It's, you know, that, that's amazing. And yeah. you talked about uh, publicity and you got a lot of publicity and things coming out of that. And you mentioned that you were also on the Kelly Clarkson show, I think on her first season, because it's only her second season. Now, tell us about that. What was that like? What's it like being in the studio? What's it like talking to Kelly Clarkson? Oh, it was the neatest experience ever. I mean, everybody was amazing and kind and super professional. Um, you know, I think this whole thing blew up way more than I ever expected when these photos first came out. I thought, you know... You know, maybe a couple hundred friends would be like, oh, I love it. So I wasn't expecting it to go completely viral. And then, of course, to catch the attention of the people on the Kelly Clarkson show. So they messaged me and wanted me to come on. And that also felt like a dream come true to actually get to go into the studio and talk to her. And so, I mean, it was great. So, you know, they, were, they prepped me very well with all of the questions and everything I needed to know. And Kelly was so sweet. When I went out on stage, she gave me the biggest hug before the cameras were even rolling and said how much she loved the photos. And she was just really easy to chat with. Um, I, I appreciated her because she talks to everyone like they're old friends. And you just feel that and you go with it. And so it was a really cool experience. Yeah, I know sometimes... I, you know, I get starstruck sometimes and I'd probably like, I'd probably freeze if Kelly Clarkson just says to me, so what's your name? I'd be like, I don't know. I've forgotten my name. <laughs> I'm looking at Kelly Clarkson, you know, I so. I think to remember like celebrities are just people in the end, right. you know, so just treat them like you would anybody else. Yeah, and I think yeah. they appreciate that. But you too. can't help it sometimes. You're like, but you're Kelly Clarkson. Why are you talking yeah. to me? Right. <laughs> but no, that's good. So you were saying, though, with the um, Be The Spark cosplay. So that really came more about after the whole Cinderella thing. Correct? Yeah, it actually came out right at the same time because um, I had originally posted the Cinderella pictures under my 
personal account because I wasn't expecting a whole lot of attention. And suddenly I had, you know, 10,000 friend requests in a day. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is, this is too much. So I immediately created um, a Facebook page so that people could follow along. Um, it did not have to be on my personal page. And just the first thing that came in my mind was, be the spark because to me that's talking about how you know you want to to put good things out in the world and you want to be the spark that really promotes change even if it's just something small you can have a big impact on the world wow that's that's profound that that is that's amazing um because i was going to ask you so tell us more about be the spark and what's your goals now having started that where, where do you want that to take off yeah, you know, I think I just want to keep sharing. Uh, well, first of all, things that I have created, I want to keep making um, costumes and cosplay that really uh, portray disability in a positive light um, that shows how, um, you know, disability isn't something that we have to, you know, hide. We can actually say, hey, this brings, you know, something beautiful or something strong or even some humor into the world um, through what we have to offer. So I've been working on a, a steampunk version of Belle from Beauty and the Beast, which I'm super excited about. I have she's my favorite character. Huh? She's my favorite character. I just want to say. Oh, yes. I love her, too. I love her so much. Um, so I'm working on her. And um, Gilbert Lozano, who made my glass arm, is working on the prosthetic for her again, which I'm super excited about. And then I'm also planning on making the dress from the, the tabletop game, Cult of the Deep, that I'm part of. I want to make that because that's, it's a cosplay as yourself. Like, that's a dream come true, right? Oh, and absolutely. then I'd also love to do a Snow White sometime in the future, like without any prosthetic, because I really want the vision of that to be that, you know, you're the fairest in the land as you exactly are as you already are. So, Correct. No, that's, that's a great positive message, I think, and super excited yeah. for all those costume yeah, and see the progress of that yeah yeah so what do you what do you want the little girls and boys learn from your story really like the representation of cinderella the glass hand and mm -hmm. you know um and really progressing into and actually including the the disability now into the sports or to the gaming community mm -hmm. you know because a lot of that fantasy can be lived out as well right yeah. um the the inspiration is you to create that and now you're exposing generations of gamers who will accept that as not only as a character, but somebody that is actually alive that mm -hmm. this character was inspired from or the, the character is, you know, was was taken from. Yeah. Well I think I think Cinderella shows how representation is really so important. Um, when I was growing up, I didn't really see many people at all who were an amputee. Um, I think the only one I knew about was Jim Abbott, who was a baseball player. We we're talking about athletes, but I don't recall any women that I saw in the media or even in real life that I knew who were amputees. And, you know, I think now with the internet and with more people being out there and being publicly visible, it's giving little girls and boys that chance to see people who are like them, you know, doing things. And I think it's so much easier to believe in your own dreams if you can see that other people are already accomplishing those things. Um, when it comes to games and characters, uh, you know, I feel like when we see a character who looks like us, the immediate reaction is like, oh, I can be a princess, you know, I can be a superhero. And so we have that instant connection and just being able to say, I can do that, you know, gives us the sense, you know, 
value and self-esteem because, you know, it, it just gives that, re- that confirmation that, that we can do that thing. And so I just hope little girls and, and boys too, when they see this, you know, they realize that, you know, their disability, you know, it's just part of who they are, but they can still go on adventures. You know, that's not stopping anything. They're still beautiful. Um, they're still strong. They can still have all kinds of optimism and kindness for the world. And, you know, I think that's why representation is, is really key to, to helping uh, kids, you know, feel better about themselves and realize that they're special. Um, kind of on the flip side, I think representation is really important for people who don't have any kind of physical difference or disability as well. Because, you know, when you see people more and more who are different, you begin to realize that, you know, are not so different after all. I think it takes that constant exposure to kind of normalize the experience of someone who is an amputee who is just living life, you know, who, you know, in some cases is special and, you know, is a princess or a superhero, but also like they're just a mom or a teacher and that's not unusual. That's just, you know, totally normal. And that's, I think ultimately the goal is for all differences to just be seen as you know, normal. That's how things are. Right. Like that, well, I was going to add to that um, in that for me, seeing folks like yourself who, who you know, who have more representation mm-hmm. um, in media with, when I say representation in media, as in you have wider reach being uh, a cosplayer, um, somebody in a public eye mm-hmm. uh, or an athlete is that kids grew up realizing that the kids with a difference in their playground is just the same as who they are. And so to include an inclusive playground and that they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not anyone different. They're equally unique as the person that is, you know, that is in the playground. Right. So to include them in their games. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's, that, that's always been my message to, to kids when I talk to kids and when I, when I do sort of my playground inclusion talks is that, don't be afraid to ask that kid just because that child is doesn't have an arm or looks different than you or has a different hair or maybe shorter than you or taller than you. Whatever that may be, that person has a freckle or a different skin. It's just they're equally unique like you are and you should include them in your games. And yeah. so I think seeing people like yourself who has a public platform to say, look, I am Cinderella too, just like she is Cinderella. And I'm just as unique and beautiful as that Cinderella. And I see now representation of myself as a little girl, as a little boy. I see a prince with dark hair, dark skin, maybe taller, skinnier, a bigger prince. In the girls, you see uh, a princess in a wheelchair or with a glass hand like you do. Yeah. Yeah. And to kind of build on that, since we're talking about kids, um, I think that also shows why representation is so important because when people see things in the media, it actually takes some of the burden off of children to have to educate other people. I would, you know, people ask me all of the questions because they'd never seen anybody else who only had one arm and they were curious and that's normal. And I didn't mind necessarily answering questions, but I think it can really help kids that, you know, there's someone else out there that's in a public platform that can help answer some of those questions for the public. And then also gives kids, you know, something that they can relate to. So, you know, when they see a kid who has one arm, it's not like, wow, I've never seen that before. Instead, the conversation becomes, oh, you're just like the Cinderella photo my mom showed me. And like, 
what a more positive spin that that can be for kids that have some kind of difference to, to have that instead of just questions. Right. No, and I think it hasn't come across my nieces and nephews yet, my little nieces and nephews, because they kind of grew up seeing me with a disability. Mm-hmm. But um, I think from the parents' perspective, it gives you an opportunity to educate at the same time if your child asks, mm-hmm. right? What is that? I think it's a, an opportunity. It's a teaching opportunity for the parent to say that is absolutely okay. It is absolutely normal. They're either born that way mm-hmm. or that's just who they are. It's There's nothing different about them in that way. It's just, they're just like you were born this way and they were born that way, right? So I think it's, it's, a, it's a teaching opportunity on, on both sides as a parent and as a child. But I like that, yeah, to, to your point about when I see, you know, as a child, when you see someone, it lessens the the stress on the child to having to explain themselves because I've seen someone like that before. Mm-hmm. Here in Canada, for example, we had just celebrated 40 years of the Terry Fox run, right? So kids have come up to me and say, you're just like Terry Fox instead of being afraid of me. And there are kids who come up to me and say, you know, you're like a robot. I think I posted something on social media and this kid must have been like six or seven. And he kept pointing going, mom, mom, a robot, a robot, right? So I said to him, yes, I'm just like Iron Man. And it removed the fear because it's something he knows and it's something he, he kind of understands because obviously I'm showing my metal parts, right? <laughs> my prosthetics. And that just, and I do have robot looking prosthetics. So Again, to him, it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen that in comic books. I've seen that in movies. It's okay. I don't have to be afraid of it because I've been normalized to seeing that as well. So I think that's important, you know, for, for us to, to let kids see and, and be, you know, put on stage, really, air quote stage, to, for people to see so that it, it's okay to see someone like that. It's not the Barnum Bailey circus anymore where that's the only time we're seeing yeah, I think that's a good point. Because, yeah, I think representation in the media, you know, a couple decades ago, any kind of physical difference was often portrayed as kind of a negative thing. You know, you do. You've got the circus. You have, you know, the hunchback of Notre Dame, you know, all those kind of things. So it was kind of, you know, or monsters that kind of put it in a negative perspective. So we really need a lot of positive representation, representations of disability to kind of combat that and, you know, show the good side of everything. So let's take a a different twist, um, just because we talked about movies now. What do you think of movies who cast non-disabled folks to disabled roles? Yeah, that's like, that's a whole complicated subject. And I, I honestly, I have kind of mixed feelings about it. So as an, as an actress who has a disability, um, of course, I want to see more roles that have, you know, that have a character with a disability and also are authentically cast um, with actors that have a disability. Um, I think at the time we're at right now, we're, we're kind of on the slope where we're starting to get there, but we still don't have enough actors with disabilities who are local to Hollywood sometimes to fill all of the roles. The biggest thing I would ask from a lot of the casting companies is that I would really like to see them authentically audition at the very minimum actors and actresses who have disabilities. You know, I understand that sometimes you may not find the perfect person that has the perfect look that you're looking for, 
But I think the biggest hurdle we have right now is that a lot of times they aren't even auditioning people who have disabilities for main roles. I think we're doing a lot better as far as smaller roles and even mid-range roles are starting to authentically cast more. But there's still this idea that if you're the lead character, you have to have some kind of star power to your name, which I understand to some degree. But at the same time, how can we ever get to that star power if you know there's only two roles a year and you know and you're not even going to cast us like we can never get to that level so i think that really they need to to give more people a chance to be authentically cast that's really the first step and i honestly think that casting companies will be pleasantly surprised at how much talent there really is out there if they would just give actors with disabilities a chance to prove themselves for these roles Right. I always find it's a catch-22 in, in the industry in that you want to cast a big name, but you're not giving me an audition to have an opportunity to even create myself a name. So how will I get to that level of a big name if you're not going to give me an opportunity to audition for a smaller? You know what I mean? It's like, well, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. To your point, though, I, I agree. I completely agree. I think we are on that slow-moving slope. But there's still a lot of work to be done with regards to getting actors like yourself and, and everyone else that has a physical or visible disability to, to be seen on stage and on screen. And I think that's, that's really important. And going back to what we were talking about before, it's important for kids to see you in your Cinderella outfit, in your cosplay outfit, that, hey, she is one of those people that I can look up to and see myself in and I can work towards that. There's my inspiration to be this person that I can be, and to, to your point, be the spark to start that, right? Mm -hmm. So I really think it comes full circle that way. And that's why I kind of like the, the explanation on be the spark bit there. And I was like, wow, that's, that's so profound. That's really, that's really good. That's, that's amazing. So what's next for you? This pandemic has probably put limits on cosplay events and Comic-Con attracting thousands of people usually. But what are you working on at the moment? Other uh, yeah, than packing so your house. Yeah, well, and I finally about have a sewing room that I can get back to work. Um, but definitely all the cons were canceled. I was supposed to be at Comic-Con in San Diego. Um, I was also supposed to be at Dragon Con and was going to get to speak on some panels. So I was really disappointed that that didn't happen. Uh, but hopefully next year things will be safer and we can pick those back up. Um, so I'm just kind of focusing on creating right now. Um, I, I mentioned some of the costumes earlier that I was working on. So I'm excited to get my steampunk bell completely finished and then got a couple other things in the works that I'll get going. So I'm really excited about that. And um, I've got a couple more interviews about Cinderella that have been coming up um, recently. Um, it's the one year uh, anniversary, I guess, since Cinderella came out last Friday. And so I had reposted, you know, just to thank everyone for the support. And it just started making the rounds around the internet again. So I'm excited. You were the first one to ask me. So I'm excited to talk to you first. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for doing that. No, that yeah. uh, thank you for doing this. And yeah, no, I, I saw that and I was like, it's been a year, mm -hmm. right? So it's, it's been really, I mean, I think what you're doing is amazing to be, you know, I am a fan of yours. I'm a big Disney fan as well. So this is all just coming together and really looking forward that, that, to that. So again, just remind everybody where they can find Be The Spark Cosplay. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Be The Spark Cosplay. 
and there are no uh, spaces on that, and it's all the same. Be the Spark cosplay on Facebook yeah. and, and same one. thing on Be the Instagram. Spark cosplay all together on Facebook and Instagram. Great. Thank you, Mandy. This is great. I think representation is everything, and we've talked about that. We need to see ourselves reflected on the media. I'm sure many little girls and boys will see Mandy's transformation, her imagination and innovation that they can identify with and see themselves in, and that they too can be included, and that there is someone like them out there, and that they are beautiful. I want to thank Mandy Parsley for joining me today. I'll provide Mandy's links and social media on my website, www.aristotledemigo.com. Thank you for tuning in today. If you have any comments, questions, or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The MPTO Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and this has been The MPTO Show Podcast.